Good Morning New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, we have a lot going on. Busy show, been a little bit overbooked. I guess that's a good problem. Before we get a uh, another national political uh, expert on time about tomorrow and what they think from outside, if you will. Aaron Real, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. Personal information, you know, your name, your your numbers. Is it safe out there? We all know that everything's pretty much visible. Take it away, Aaron. Yep, pretty much. And what we're seeing now is that the FTC is finally coming in and doing something about it. So they said last Thursday that they're banning one specific company, but it has broader implications. Um, it's a Texas-based company, and they're banning them from licensing licensing people's precise geolocation data. So what they did is they gathered this trove of consumer location data, but they didn't disclose where they were going to target it and, and that it was going to be targeted for advertising. So essentially what happened is that they marketed to advertisers looking for a very specific category of person. That would be Christian churchgoers, parents of preschoolers, high school students, and children who are homeschooled. So the question becomes, what do all these people have in common? Well, public awareness of location data sensitivity is on the rise all after the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade. And as more states pass laws, Texas included, where this company was, permitting the prosecution of abortion seekers, it now becomes that that data information that's sold by data brokers on your phone can have medical implications. This is so far-reaching. Yeah. You know what? It's... And the other thing is, I never know when you have your phone and the apps, even if it's like, you know, Android, iPhone, it will say, you know, virus cleaner and protect your information on the web, download here, and then you can never get them off your phone. You know, it's like there are certain, like Experian is known as one where they can scrub the web with your information, make it harder. So you never know which one to go with. Exactly. And, and, and there's not, and it's not like the best you do, if you open up Google, you're, you can be tracked, like your data location is there. They have it, essentially. So if you have an app on your phone, myself included, anyone that has downloaded anything that is free, know that you are the product. That's very simply their revenue model for that app. They gave it to you for free, so they have to make money somehow. So they're advertising to you, and they're able to take the data, even if you disable locations and other things. Generally, if it's free, they're using you for data mining, right. and just know that and proceed accordingly. Right. Thank you, Aaron Real, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. We're going to get a quick cameo here. Dr. Vic will be with us tomorrow night. Vic Mantra Amani, our own Dr. Vic, you know from hosting, navigating uncertainty, his latest book, The Generalist. Dr. Vic, we're talking primary real quickly. I'm noticing this morning Governor Chris Sununu out there campaigning for, as you know, Nikki Haley. Kind of change, and I said earlier, politics is all about expectations. Governor now saying Nikki doesn't need to win tomorrow. She just needs a good showing for momentum. A, a few weeks ago, Governor Soon is on saying Nikki Haley can win the New Hampshire primary. Now she doesn't need to win, just needs a good showing. And Donald Trump in the Trump camp, what's a big win? And where do the DeSantis voters go? Take it away, Dr. Vic. Yeah, no, Jack, look, very interesting times for sure. And I think it's still yet to be determined, as you've been talking about this morning, you know, independents, undeclared, hold the key to this election. And I have to tell you, I've been talking to a bunch of former DeSantis uh, supporters here over the last, uh, call it, 18 hours or so. And a lot of them say, look, we were with DeSantis because we were not interested in Trump. We wanted a younger person. We wanted a more dynamic person. We wanted someone looking forward. Um, and so I don't know that they all jumped to Trump. In fact, a little informal sort of 
conversation with call it 15 of them or so, um, I'd tell you more than 10, maybe 11, possibly even 12, said, look, we're going to publicly state that we're writing in, you know, Ron DeSantis or that we're, you know, possibly even uh, with Trump, but we're voting for Nikki Haley. Now, again, very informal data point, but look, they went with DeSantis because they were not interested in what Trump offered. Um, so I find it uh, very interesting to hear this commentary that says, oh, DeSantis supporters go naturally to, to Trump. Um, so I think that's a big wild card yeah. yet to be determined, and we'll see. Dr. Frick, I've said, and you know this, you've heard me say it on the show this morning before with you, expectations, it's everything. I've seen political yep. figures turn a second-place finish into a win, if you will, Bill Clinton. I've seen yep. George W. Bush get thumped by John McCain here. The perception turned it around, made me better, maybe I didn't, you know, maybe a better can. So what's the expectation game? Trump's supposed to win big. I say big as anything, fifteen points or higher. Anything less than ten points, it, the race goes on, two person race. Uh, and also, I want your quick take on the Democrat side. Democrats yeah. tried to take away New Hampshire primary. What's the expectation if Biden's write-in campaign doesn't do well? Yeah, look, if Biden's, I, look, I don't think it really matters on the Democrat side, but I think the interesting part of the Democrat side is. Their turnout, right? What are they going to have, Jack? Under 80,000 people, I think, is what's expected, uh, compared to 300,000-plus on the Republican side. So I don't know how representative anything that comes out of the Democratic process tomorrow is, with the exception that if someone like a Dean Phillips really notches a big win over Biden, that may tell the country something. Like, oh, hold on a second. There's an appetite. There's an alternative. There's someone younger, more dynamic. By the way, he sounds sometimes... When you listen to him, it almost sounds like a Republican, actually, talking about some of these things about national security and, you know, controlling spending and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I think that would be interesting if he did really well and noticeable so that people in the country say, wait, there is an alternative. It doesn't have to be Biden on the Democrat side. Um, now, in terms of expectations, Zach, I think you're probably right. A huge Trump win is not going to be good for Nikki. I don't think it's terminal, uh, but I think a really close loss you know, it just turned into a two-person race here this weekend. I mean, it's de facto been like that for a little bit longer, but uh, the country's adapting. We're going to learn. We're going to see. Candidates, some get better over time, some get worse. Nikki is clearly getting better. More people are hearing her message, and she's gaining momentum. That's clear. Yeah, well, we'll see. Now, the other thing is 322,000 votes in the Republican primary is a lot of votes, and there yep. are a lot of non-Trump votes in that swath. So yep. does it, do you feel this thing is tighter in the end than 10 points between Trump and Haley or not? My guess is yes. I think there's a big surprise possibility here. Maybe it's really tight. Under certain scenarios, Jack, Nikki could win this thing. I still don't think that's a, that possibility, while it might not be the most probable, is still in the cards. Big independent turnout, as we know, is possible in New Hampshire. And we'll get that if that happens. And people on the Trump side say, hey, you know what? He's got this. This is in the bag. We don't need to worry about it. It's done. And you get a lower turnout there and a higher turnout with independents. Yeah. There are scenarios where this could play out very differently well, than people are expecting. And, and there's always you know, expectations. And the, uh, the fact I can't get away from Dr. Vic is uh, – we'll talk more about his book after the primary. But uh, great cover shot, by the way. Um, <laughs> the, 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 thing that I always, the thing that I always come back to. I, could t I can't tell you how many times I've been in this position doing a show, whether it was TV or radio, even the primary, all the national media looking and watching, the pundits, the weekend people, 
And they're like, Trump's going to win big up there. It's already over. And I've seen surprises. I've seen surprises where they're like, what? Biden finished where last time behind Bernie Sanders, Buttigieg, yep. Warren, and Klobuchar? What? John McCain trounced the sitting governor of Texas, the son of George Bush Sr., G.W. Bush? McCain with no money? He trounced Bush here? And they're always yep. like, what? What? And, all, and it impacts, it jolts the process. And I've seen it happen over Bill Clinton. Who's yep. his governor from Arkansas? He beat yeah, some Jack, big names, and he came in second. He went on to become president. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it away. Yeah, this is the beauty of New Hampshire. We think for ourselves. We're independent-minded. We don't listen to what a bunch of um, 50,000 people in, uh, in, a, in a very cold, frigid day in Iowa came up with it, their conclusion. That doesn't bear anything. No impact on what a New Hampshire voter thinks, in my assessment. I think the New Hampshire voter thinks for themselves. They sit in the living rooms, they grill the candidates in a diner, wherever it is, and they'll listen. You know, I was, uh, by the way, we'll listen to anyone, whether or not you're famous or got momentum or not. How many names are on the ballot? I mean, I just looked at a sample ballot, Jack. It's like dozens, dozens of names. Okay, yeah, it's a Nikki Haley slash Trump race on the Republican side, but the Democrat one has Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson, and like, I don't know, two dozen other names? New Hampshire listens, evaluates, and I think former Governor Sununu said it best, Iowa can pick corn, we're busy picking presidents. Anna Brown, I don't know if you know her, um, she's the uh, director of the great, great group, um, Citizens Count. There's so much going on, Anna, if I get this wrong, please, I'm trying to juggle, I'm getting messages, you know what it's like the day before, messages, can you take Carrie Lake in the 11 o'clock hour, can you take uh, you know, Nikki Haley, right, you know, 10 minutes. I'm just trying to read all this. Citizenscount.org, but Anna Brown knows New Hampshire. She knows it very, very well. She studies it from a local point of view, legislature, nonpartisan. Anna, you're usually right. In the last midterms, when I had you on, I pressed a little bit. So I want to get the Anna Brown take on tomorrow. And let me just set the stage, and I will stop and let you run with this. 322,000. People expected to vote in the Republican primary record in terms of the Republican 2016 and the Democrat 2020, according to the Secretary of State. Only 88,000 Democrats, and we know the National Democrats took away New Hampshire's primary. They want to almost punish New Hampshire Democrats. Don't vote. It's detrimental to what we want. So what are the surprises tomorrow? Latest poll numbers see uh, Suffolk, Boston Globe have it about an 18, 19-point Trump lead on the eve of the primary. I think that's a little aggressive. I may be wrong. New Hampshire likes to send a surprise. What are the surprises and what do you think? And where do all those non-Trump voters? Nikki Haley wanted a two-person race with DeSantis out. She got it. Take it away, Anna. Well, I definitely think that DeSantis leaving the race does not help Haley one bit. You're right. She, she said she wanted a two-person race. But when you look at the breakdown of voters who were preferring DeSantis, most of them are likely to show up and vote for Donald Trump. Now, granted, they may not be excited to go out and vote for him, so that might dampen their turnout a little bit. But the only possible direction I really see it going is hurting Nikki Haley at the polls. And for that reason, I do think that Donald Trump is going to win the New Hampshire presidential primary tomorrow. I think Nikki Haley will have a strong showing, but it's going to be hard, I think, to crack through the apparent momentum of Donald Trump if she doesn't have, you know, a strike within, you know, two points of him, say. I think that that's going to be a very bad sign going forward for her campaign. 
I think the really so at this point, I think, you know, if DeSantis had stayed in, I think it would have been a much closer race between Trump and Haley. But Mm -hmm. now I'm sort Mm -hmm. of looking over at the Democratic side. And I think that it's going to be maybe kind of hard (laughs) for Joe Biden to to break 50 percent as a writing candidate. And I say that just because we know from the past with other writing writing campaigns going way back to Johnson in the 60s. It's hard to break that 50 percent threshold if your candidate's name is not on the ballot, even if you have supporters in the state running an active campaign. So I'm going to be interested to see actually what goes on with Dean Phillips and if he ends up picking up a lot of votes. Because I sort of think that there are some of those undecided independent voters who maybe now that DeSantis has dropped out are thinking, oh, I don't know, you know, Nikki Haley doesn't seem to have that sort of momentum. Maybe I'd do do better sort of sticking it to Biden, sending a message to Biden. So I'm not saying by any means that Dean Phillips could overtake Biden, but I think that that might start, you know, making the National Democratic Party sweat a little bit if there's a kind of more of a contest in New Hampshire than they predicted. So I think the, the, the left side of the ballot is looking a little more interesting now. But it is ultimately all going to come out to, as we've said before, what's happening with those undeclared voters in the middle. Are they more motivated to try to send a message to Trump on on the Republican side, or are they more motivated to just kind of say, well, Trump is inevitable. Let's worry about what's happening with the Democrats. Okay, a lot there, Anna Brown, citizenscount.org. I want to go back to the Trump prediction by you that he wins hard for Nikki Haley to, to kind of crack that. I'm not disagreeing. But you and I know expectations are just about everything in politics. The expectations are Trump's going to win big tomorrow. What's big? 15 points or more, or is it less than 10? I know a win's a win, but let's face it, expectations in politics are a big part of the game. I think anything over 50% for him is big, because at this point, it is basically a two-person race. But there are other candidates out there, and you're going to have some people who are you know, writing in or going for one of the lesser known, but not, right. you know, totally out so, there candidates like Ryan Binkley, right? I'm seeing Ryan Binkley signs all over Manchester, right. interestingly enough. So I think if Trump gets over 50%, it's not going to matter how much, okay. how close Nikki Haley is to that. I think that's the threshold. Well, we're, we're, well, my question, though, does Haley crack 40 in that scenario or not? Uh, um, it's, I think because of DeSantis dropping out, it get, it gets hard. It gets really hard at that point, I think. Interesting. So, you know, that, that, gives a, that gives a perspective and a picture. And again, what's the spin going to be for the National Democrats if Phillips does better than expected here? I think it's, I think it's going to be that, you know, they're just going to continue to focus on, you know, what's going on down south and they're first in the nation. I think that their move is going to be, you know, just sort of that's just a little bit of, of frankly, you know, non-diverse white people noise, and we don't even need to pay attention to that. Just, They'll say, yeah, and the just president... Just forget about that. Yeah. We're, we're focusing, yeah. you know, or, or even honestly also probably emphasizing the um, the win of Trump, you know, at that point, assuming Trump w- yeah. won New Hampshire, you know, focusing on, they'll, well, the number one way to beat that is Biden. Yeah, and they'll they'll make it Biden-Trump, because they'll say pre- the Biden didn't even run in New Hampshire. Hey, finally, I'm noticing Governor Sununu this morning coming out of the weekend... You know, just a week or so ago, he was saying Nikki Haley can win this thing. It's going to be tight this morning. He's openly saying uh, Nikki Haley does not have to win the primary. She just has to have a good showing uh, to get some more momentum. So obviously he's even adjusting expectations, which would play to your point. And I honestly, I I don't think that's a, a, a great look to have a candidate say we're fine. 
coming in second. I, I feel like Nikki Haley had a lot of momentum in December, and then it's just so tricky to thread that needle of trying to attract moderates but not alienate the conservative base. I often say to you, I do not run political campaigns. That's not my area of expertise. But I do think maybe it would have done her better to just more commit to, to the side of criticizing Trump and going after him, which she has. It seems like maybe over the past couple of days, maybe she did a little bit more, you know, talking about, once again, competency tests and age, because that was a big theme earlier in her campaign. But, yeah, I, I feel that in some ways that attempt to be the more moderate, reasonable, kind candidate has, has made it fall a little bit flat here at the end. And, and yeah, when I when you're saying, oh, we're going to be happy coming in second, I, I think New Hampshire is a critical moment for her. I, I feel that if, you know, if, if yep. she doesn't defy my expectations, too, you know, I think it's I think it's going to be really I really have trouble seeing a path forward at that point. And real quickly, Deanna Brown, give me your minute analysis on DeSantis. He was the big candidate. He was the number one draft choice coming out of the reelection of Florida. I don't know if he got out of it too slow to get into the national race, if he didn't adjust well as a candidate, if he was overmanaged, kind of squelched. Uh, or Trump went at him so heavy, national media as well. But Ron DeSantis, frankly, it was a surprise to yours truly. Not not much surprises me anymore as I stay in this earth a little bit longer. So nothing surprises me. It surprised me on NFL afternoon playoff game Sunday afternoon. DeSantis, I started hearing before the announcement, he's dropping out, he's out. That surprised me. I thought he'd wait till at least after Tuesday unless some deal was cut. Take it away on DeSantis. I think that was an, an, an interesting move as well. And his immediate endorsement of Donald Trump, I think, was very telling. I, I think that it was a discussion on that side of the campaign. One has to wonder if there was some sort of conversation about, you know, future cabinet positions, maybe even a running mate. We can go back and look at all right, where did the Ron DeSantis campaign fall flat. And I think the fact of the matter is he appeals to the same base as Donald Trump in most cases. When you look at the voters, most people saying they vote for Donald Trump, their second choice was, would have been DeSantis. Most of the people who said DeSantis was their first choice said their second choice was Donald Trump. And so right. as Donald Trump can, continued to gain strength, I think, frankly, from the court cases he's facing, that really seems to only galvanize and motivate his base. I think Ron DeSantis faltered because he, he wasn't providing a really clear alternative to Trump except to say, I'm Donald Trump without the chaos. And well, as we could see, those criminal cases only seem, those are chaotic, but people, it only seemed to motivate his base. To Trump's credit, I saw him in 2016 against some of the biggest Republican names, Kasich, Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, I could go on. He mowed him down. He mowed him down like when you cut your grass with a, you know, a rider mower, just mowed him down and went on to win that one. Um, this time around, had some formidable Republicans taking him on. Chris Christie, head on. Uh, Ramaswamy came onto the scene. Probably haven't heard the last of him. Certainly Ron DeSantis was a big name. Nikki Haley. Uh, and there were others. Uh, Mike Pence, former vice president. Here we go before New Hampshire. Nikki Haley wanted a two-person race. The, all, all the others have bowed out. It's Trump and Haley tomorrow. Well, I think that what we're also seeing here is a challenge that face, has faced democracies throughout time, which is a lot of times a smaller, coherent faction of a party has a much larger, stronger voice 
than a larger sort of incoherent big tent work trying to incorporate a lot of people. You think it would be different. You think the more, okay, we're trying to incorporate a lot of people and please a lot of people and be a little more moderate. It's, if it's more people, you think it'd be more powerful. But we've seen time and time again that if you have a smaller group that is extremely clear-willed, yep. they, they can really take over. And, and frankly, that's a similar thing we're seeing happen play out in the U.S. House right now, right? That yep. one group of yep. far-right Republicans is small, but they are very clear and very coherent. And so since they're the ones that have the, the clear goals and, and path forward, they're the ones who are really controlling the show. All right, Anna Brown, Citizens Count. Thank you, Anna. Enjoy tomorrow. We'll try and get you back on tomorrow on the voting day. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks, Jack. Mike Denny, he's one of the great ones, political analyst and all-stars. He'll be with us tomorrow night at the West Wing St. Anselm College. And, Michael, good morning on the eve of the actual vote, the big primary tomorrow. Record turnout, but I'm noticing something, and I want to get the latest Denny he take. Michael, I know you have a busy morning. You'll be with us in the morning tomorrow as well. Governor Chris Sununu, someone you know well, changing his own expectation game this morning with Nikki Haley. Uh, just a week or so ago on my show saying, oh, no, it's going to be very tight. Nikki Haley can win this thing. Now, Nikki Haley does not need to win tomorrow, needs a good showing uh, for momentum. A little bit of a different narrative there. What does Governor Chris Sununu see? That's a, that's a good question, Jack. Good morning to you and your listeners, and uh, uh, your show is awesome as usual. Um, uh, he did, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Jack, he actually uh, uh, made a statement that Nikki Haley's going to win by seven points. Last night he said that. So uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly where he stands. I do know they're certainly trying to lower expectations. Um, I, I'm actually just outside the latest Nikki Haley event here in Franklin. Uh, a very interesting event. Uh, not a ton of enthusiasm, a relatively small crowd. If the media could vote, she'd be doing really well. There was as much media there as there were people. Um, so, uh, you know, she's obviously bouncing around the state like crazy, uh, trying to do what she can. Michael Dennehy, I said yesterday on one of the national shows, actually, to be precise, Inside Politics, CNN. So, well, you know, I figured, what the heck, someone, you know, I figured I'd, you know, say, you know, go on. Uh, before a little football, and uh, didn't expect the DeSantis announcement yesterday afternoon, by the way. Not shocked, but I was surprised. But let me ask you this. Yes. I, I said yesterday a point that a lot of the national pollsters and pundits are missing, and you, Michael Dennehy, know this better than anyone. New Hampshire likes to send a surprise. I've seen mm-hmm. it time and time again. You managed not one, but two successful winning presidential primaries for the late John McCain. He thumped G.W. Bush. Sitting governor of Texas when Bush ran. McCain clocked him. This time, last time around, Bernie Sanders clocked Joe Biden. Hillary Clinton has seen surprises. Bill Clinton, Pat Buchanan. I could go on. Is there a surprise in the making tomorrow or not, Michael? Because the surprise would be it's tighter than people think. Because mm-hmm. a big Trump win is not the surprise. Right. No, I, I, Jack, I, I'm sorry. I love the New Hampshire primary as much as anyone loves the New Hampshire primary. I love to see a close contest. I don't think it's going to be close tomorrow. But the big differentiator between any of these surprises in the past is Nikki Haley is getting crushed by Republicans uh, against Donald Trump. And that's the, that's the toughest issue to deal with. That means she needed to, needs to get 65% of the independent vote tomorrow. And the way it's looking is that it might not happen. Uh, I mean, that's a tall order trying to get yeah, 65% is. of the independent vote. I, I would agree but with you, yeah. That's what she, that's what she needs to and pull off again, the surprise. Say what you want about Donald Trump. 
but he mows down the competition. Look at the names already that are gone. Mike That's Pence. Right. I mean, I could go on. Christie, Ramaswamy, DeSantis, drop. Yep. Michael, if I had said to you last summer, DeSantis will drop out before New Hampshire's primary, you would say, Jack, you, uh, you've you been getting too much sun lately. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I never expected. You know, of course... We've been talking a lot about what Nikki Haley's wanted a two-person race. I never would have expected actually a two-person race by this day, before the New Hampshire even votes. Yeah, and it tells me that if Trump wins big tomorrow, it's over. He's gonna he's, he's gonna go all yeah. the way to the nomination. Do you agree with me? I do. Final nail in Nikki Haley's coffin is tomorrow. If she loses by fifteen plus points, it's over. If she loses by ten points, now, it's over because you just need a win to keep going. Yeah, last thing for you, because you know you you've been in the you've been in the SUV, you've been in the room. I'm going to ask you this: I, Ron DeSantis dropping out before tomorrow, he was going to get a number here. He's going to get some delegates, and then endorsing Trump. I, I'm just sorry. I I may have been born at night, but not last night. I I think a deal was cut, um, and uh, or an implied deal because look at if you're Ron DeSantis, you have to be disappointed because it wasn't long ago you were the top number one draft choice for Republicans, even ahead of Trump coming out of yeah. his re-election of Florida, hasn't gone as he wanted. I asked him that the other day on the show, what he learned about New Hampshire. Is he disappointed? Obviously, he is. But my question is, if you're Ron DeSantis, and I ask him this not once but twice, why did you choose to run this time? If you had waited, knowing Trump was probably going to run, and he can't run again, and he won't you know, age and all that, why not just wait till 2028? And he said, Jack, because the country needed... You know, we can't wait four years. That's a good answer. But my question yeah. is, I'm sure he's thought that. But if you're Ron DeSantis, you drop out before New Hampshire. You, you, give, uh, you give a nice, uh, you know, thumbs up to Trump. If Trump ever wins the general election, if cabinet post, he's the only veteran who's seen combat duty. Secretary of Defense is a pretty big job. Secretary of State. Then you're in there a little bit. Who's in line to run again? You're right there, depending on who Trump picks as a VP. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if I would agree that there was a specific deal cut. I also tend to think, Jack, you know, I don't think DeSantis should have ever run because I never thought Trump was beatable, even though the polls did indicate he was a year ago. I don't know how uh, DeSantis has to do so much rehabilitation right now because he ran such an awful campaign from beginning to end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yes, I, I believe Trump would have him in his administration if DeSantis would go. But the person who's going to have, if, if Trump takes the White House back, the person who's going to be the odds-on favorite is going to be his VP. Yeah, and who do you think that is going to be? I, th- I think there's a good chance that Tim Scott is the guy. South Carolina, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plus, plus yeah. he has such a, in my opinion, such a great life story Yes, that would resonate well. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree, totally agree. And he's very much like Mike Pence, by the way, Jack, too. He gives that, he has that calming influence. Yeah. Oh, I think it's uh, super. And I, a very uh, positive, upbeat. Yes, very, exactly. Yes. All right, Michael, yep. we'll see you tomorrow at St. A's. Look forward to it. Thanks, Jack. Bring your homework. <laughs> I will.